You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. I'm Chuck. I'm one of the pastors here. And do you have your book? Yes. Okay. Thought I'd ask. Interesting that we were talking about healing earlier. While I was sitting right there, I kept seeing what looked like, as I, we were praising, especially the one song we were singing, Holy, Holy, out of the corner of my eye, I felt like a flame was coming up right in front of the camera. I'm believing that someone at home is being healed by this today, that someone at home is being touched by today by the Holy Spirit. Because that flame always, but the fact that it was right there by the camera, I think, is indicating to me that someone watching at home. So... Just receive that. You know, if you're not watching it live and you're watching it taped, the Holy Spirit can wait for that. He's like, okay, Tuesday, boom, here I am. So today we are continuing our series of How Is Your Soul? And today we're looking at how we navigate loss. In the previous three weeks, we looked at God's love and uncertainty, uh, peace in the face of fear, God's unchanging character in a constantly changing world. Now So now as we discuss loss, we look into the hope we have in God. But I want us to understand that each of the aspects of God's character are drawn into each of these situations. So in loss, I need God's love. I need his peace. I need his certainty. And in the midst of loss, I certainly need his hope. So the topic of loss, though, has so many facets of what loss is, it's really kind of difficult to kind of capture that into a message. I mean, we have, you could have loss of a job, loss of security, loss of your health. You could have loss of an intimate relationship. You could have a loss of life. There's so many things to talk about when you say loss. It, it's so, it, it captures everything. You know, the thing about it is, our sufferings do not reveal their purpose but they do summon our attention to the God that can give understanding to their purposes. But the suffering itself does not reveal a purpose. It points us to someone. So the verse for this week is rather a broad verse. It it brings us into the presence of the God in his tenderness and and in his gentleness. It's Lamentations 3. And it goes like this. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, we we need to first acknowledge that in any loss, grief is normal. It's not a disease. It's not a sign of weakness or it's not a sign of emotional intel- lack of emotional intelligence. If we lose something, something precious or someone precious, grief's going to come knocking. And trying to avoid the grief doesn't get you through it. So, you know, I know I used to always say this, and it's even long, long, going back a long time ago, I kind of picked this up a long, when you're in the middle of a mess, the good news is every step you take is stepping out of it. And so the, the message is get moving. Yeah. And so my prayer today 
is that those of us that are in grief or grieving over our circumstances, take some steps leading from today, godly steps, steps that are healing and hope. So I, when I was taking this topic, I said, where can I find a combination of all these forms of loss combined with where God was clearly evident and absolutely real? And it led me to the exile. Because the exile at the hand of the Babylonians, every one of those sources of loss existed. The loss of life, loss of home, loss of security, loss of, of independence. It shattered the psyche of the Israelites. The grief added to that was the devastating feelings of betrayal and of abandonment by the God they totally depended on, only to hear the Babylonians talking about how Baal, this false evil God, is stronger than their God. And so this was all going through them. But God had a message to assure them that he was there, that he was right in their midst in one of the worst times of their history. Jeremiah brought God's word of hope to his people. Jeremiah was a prophet of God, and oftentimes he's called the heart prophet because he's constantly giving heartfelt messages, but his heartfelt messages are also given through tears, so sometimes he's called the weeping prophet. So I like the heart prophet more than the weeping prophet. But remember when Jesus asked the apostles, who do they say I am? And they started giving him answers. One of those answers was Jeremiah, because Jeremiah's uh, character was a bit of a foreshadowing of Christ. The essence of prophecy of Jeremiah was restoration, that God will restore. Because of this, so many people find Jeremiah 30 so inspiring. Let's, let's look at it now. It's verses uh, 15 through 18. It says, why do you cry over your wound, your pain that has no cure? Because of your great guilt, many sins I have done these things. But all who devour you will be devoured. All your enemies will go into exile. Those who plunder you will be plundered. All who make spoil of you, I will despoil. But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declared the Lord. Because, because you are called an outcast, that Zion who cares for whom no one cares, this is what the Lord says. I will restore the fortunes of Jacob's tent and have compassion on his dwellings. The city will re be rebuilt on her ru ruins. The palace will stand in its proper place. In our sorrow and pain, you know, these promises give us hope. God will never leave his kids, never leave his kids behind knowing that he will come to their aid and be powerful. You know, God told Moses he was going to Egypt because he heard his people's groanings. He never says, because Pharaoh's evil. He never says, because I'm going to defeat the gods, of the false gods of Egypt. He says, I heard my people. I heard my people. He hears his people. That's why he sent Moses. You know, I'm going to be honest with you, though, about this verse that I just read. 
I went to that verse when I needed hope, really, really when I was in a desperate spot. And it didn't do me as much good. And you know why? It was all in the future. And I thought, this could take a long time. I need something now. And I was getting impatient. I read that. I was I kind of lifted up and I went, well, hold it here. When's this all going to start happening? And the funny thing is, God answered me. He said, you got out ahead of yourself. Go back a chapter. Read chapter 29. And so that's what I did. Chapter, chapter 29, it's going to, it starts in verse 4. And let's just do right now 4 through 9. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, present tense, says to all whom I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in, in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So he tells us right away, live right where you are. Stop comparing the current situation to what it used to be. Life begins here, life begins now, start living. But you know what? We might have to wear a mask. And we might have to accept, this is difficult, our gatherings missing some people that we're used to seeing in our gatherings. We might have to listen to doctors and begin a long rehab. So some of the other you at home, listen to your doctors. Especially you, Fanny, your legs are killing you. We're praying on that right now. So... I'm just saying, that's, that's an important part of this whole process. And it says, plant gardens. That's God's way of saying, if you got lemons, make some lemonade. Yeah. You know, that's find good things in the new circumstances. And plant seeds that produce good fruit, both spiritual fruit and physical fruit. Start planting seeds in what's going on. But plant them in your ground and plant them in your hearts. Celebrate life with those around you in these new circumstances. Pessimism about living during these times cannot be our communal conversation. But the joy of the life we have in the Lord and in each other should be what we talk about. So we continue to celebrate. We celebrate weddings and birthdays and anniversaries. We can sing and dance at parties. Yeah, the birthday parties are going to look different. Some, maybe the weddings are looking different. But we still celebrate. We still light a candle and blow it out. We still have a father giving away a bride. And we don't stop these things. These are the joy of our life. Then seek peace. Bring peace. Be an asset in the new situation, not just someone just tolerating it, tolerating it with your teeth clenched. We're going to 
We're going to pray for those that if they contributed to our circumstances, we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for ones that make it difficult where you work, that maybe they don't seem to understand what you're going through and they make life tough. We're praying for those people. Peace carries its own reward. It allows us to have the calm intellect to make decisions based on without anger, without fear, and without frustration, but on the word of God that he gently speaks to us. Your peace will be transferred to others. Your hope will be transferred with the peace. And so what will happen is that'll be a release to those that, quite frankly, you're going to help other people make loving decisions for you. So maybe you're at work and you're in grief and you're making mistakes. You know what? That's going to happen a lot if you're in grief. If you're really, really frustrated with things and you're going to make mistakes and all of a sudden you're praying and your joy and your peace is there, they're going to say, oh, well, Chuck's going through a tough time right now. Let's just let's, let's bear with him instead of production, production, production. See, when I was a boss, I sometimes didn't have that heart. I'd say, you know, if you can't sell, I'll, I'll find that in the next resume I get. And, and, and that's what some bosses are like. <laughs> Thank goodness you don't work for me. <laughs> but, you know, and you knew I was going to get back to peace, didn't you? So, but, you know, verses 8 and 9 are difficult. It says we have to be careful about how we hear advice and how we hear comfort. You know, many well-meaning Christian friends will tell them that God is telling them that you this and that. And they really love you. And they want God to do everything they're saying. And they're actively praying for God on their, your behalf. And this is an expression of love. And receive that love. But be careful with the rest. Because love does not make it prophetic. So walk in discernment in the Lord. Have your heart centered in his peace and love and in your hope in him. But bless those that may not have heard from God, but are hearing from a broken heart for you. Really bless them and thank them for their concern. Be discerning. So now I want to go now to verses 11 through 14. It says, let's continue with Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you, when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. You know, um, I want, does everybody have a pen? I just, this, this is not in my notes, so sorry. We're going to keep the verse up there for a second. Everyone just stand up and hold your pen up. If you can stand up, just stand up and hold your pen up. What am I talking about? I think far too many of us are writing our own story of our life. 
that we are penning our own life story. And then we take that story and we toss it over to God and say, can you edit it and spell check? <laughs> we're saying it today. We're declaring today, whatever circumstances we're in, we're going to let God be the author of our life. Yes. That God is going to write our story yes. and we're going to try to be discerning and obedient. And, and so we're going to just drop our pen. We don't write it anymore. And if it's your pen, we'll help make sure you get it back. <laughs> this is an important part of our healing. Let God write the story of our life. Yes. Let God say, here's what I've got for you. Move forward as I tell you to move forward. Step as I tell you to step. And if I tell you to run, run. If I tell you to stand still for a moment and wait on me, wait on me. Amen. And so that's what I... Just, just hit me this hard right now when I said this. So I say, Lord, write your story and allow me to step back enough to give room for you to touch my heart so I can be obedient in your story of my life. I'm not a bit player in my own life. It's a partnership with the Lord. But Lord, you're the star. So we give you thanks, Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat now. Let's read that again now. Kind of got off track. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you. You know, we've got to put that into our reality right now. That's got to be a part of our reality right now. You know, read, when you read those words, it says the Lord is declaring. That's boldly speaking the truth held in him toward each of us, his plans. God's declaring it. Plans of hope, hope in the hands of the Father. That's a bold statement by God. I know God is loving and a, and a giver of love. I know God is peace and a giver of peace. And I know God is unchanging, un, which is, gives me an unwavering ability to have stability in a time of change. And I know God is hope and he's giving hope. His plans are personal and singularly for me. Continually pray for the grace to make a place in our hearts for these truths to flourish. I really mean that. Make a place. Sometimes we hear these things that we know are true, but we don't make a place for them to, to sit. Make a place. Pray, Lord, let that sit in me. The character and essence of the one who dwells in you takes residence in your hearts, and he's praised and glorified by you allowing him to, to flow through you. And that's what he's saying right here. Trust these words. Expect them. You know, I, Psalm 139, it says, How precious to me are your thoughts, Lord. How vast is the sum of them. You know, I know that sometimes we wonder if God's trying to harm us. Whether God's trying to punish us. And He's here to declare he has no intention to harm you or punish you. 
Why isn't God punishing us when we're doing, we're doing terrible things? Because Jesus has already paid for all punishment. Jesus has already paid for it. So in the Old Testament, you read where you see these punishment. That's because Jesus hasn't done the atonement. He hasn't died on the cross and risen again. Now he has. So God is not punishing any of us. Now, do you do something stupid? Is there consequence? Yes. So, you know, if, I, I was telling somebody, if you go up on the building, say, I don't agree with the laws of gravity, and jump. There will be consequences. But God won't punish you for it. He'll look at it and go, why I made a dumb one on that one? Anyway. So, so what's our response? That's an important thing now. So what's our, you know, we got to come to him with all our heart. He listens to us. Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. But then he goes on in this passage and talks about how, you know, a earthly broken father gives good gifts to his children. And he says, how much more do you think I will lavish on you? See, we don't have an idea of how much God wants to lavish us with his goodness just because we asked. You know, Jeremiah continues in his message. And I'm sorry, Jeremiah continues in his message from God with the knowledge that we find God in our prayers. You notice that? We find God in our prayers. God doesn't find us. God never, never left that we find him. And in, that God will restore us. That will carry us back in his power to the place he set aside for us right here on earth. God's never left us. So what happens is, Sometimes we, in our grief, we get disconnected and we get isolated. And so this reconnects us. Our prayers reconnect us in that two-way stream with God again. You know, he says in, in, later in Matthew chapter 11, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is our God. That's our God. And this is our peace. And this is our hope. This is the God who says, learn from me. To listen. And this is our solution right now in our current loss and our current situation. John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in me. Then he goes down to verse 27, peace I give to you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So we have to wait on the Lord. But now I want to go back to that Lamentations 3. Let's read this a little slower. Let's really let that sink in. I remember them. I remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. Let this, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. 
Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new. His compassions are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Our hope rests in the knowledge, the profound knowledge, that the love and compassion of the Lord, his great love, will never allow us to be consumed. Yeah, we remember the losses. We acknowledge them and we feel those losses. And we don't live in denial. Christianity is not about denial. It's not about fantasy. But we have very real losses and very real pain. But we take steps to heal through those, through Christ. Because you know, one thing that Lamentations doesn't do is verse 24. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Sometimes we have to wait. Psalm 27 is what I always went with. I remain, remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Sometimes we have to wait for the Lord. I have a tendency, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, it waits for no one. <laughs> and when it's time to leave, and I've got someone inside that's still getting that last little thing together, I'm in the car, the engine's running, and the temperature's rising. And this is the hardest thing for me to realize. <clears throat> I've got to wait for the Lord. Because he's on his own schedule. And maybe... He's waiting for the perfect time for that to become an intersection with something else. If I get out of the head, I've just missed it. Or if I get behind, the train leaves. So his timing is so vital. We have to trust in the Lord and wait. And we can't learn from someone when we're really, really busy and concentrated on something else. And he says that he wants to teach us. He wants to reveal to us. You know, you know, Blessings, this is hard to believe sometimes, there are blessings inherent with loss and suffering. The blessings are always revealed on the other side of grief. And it's always hard to believe that the blessing is happening in the midst of pain and grief. However, if you look back on your life, at moments when you experienced the most light, the most blessing, it was soon after your darkest hours. And I've always found it to be true. During my toughest times, most difficult times, God's awareness became so incredibly bright, but usually right when I felt like I was past it all. In the middle of it, sometimes it didn't seem so bright, but it was there. Then I recognized it later. So we've got to take our booklets and begin the work. And quite frankly, you needed to be doing this all the way through this. I just, I shouldn't, I'm not scolding, I'm just saying, to get to the point of loss, you had to know how to establish God's love, establish God's peace, establish an understanding of an unchanging God, then you come to this point, and then you come into the loss, and that's what we do. And so the first thing that says is we want to acknowledge the specific losses that have taken their tolls on our heart, we want to write them down. Now, you don't just write down, I lost my job. If you do that, you're not really effective. 
What did the job do for you? What did that job mean to you? What did that job provide for you? What is it that makes you fearful of the loss of that job? And what, there's a whole lot of things you're, you're gonna, this is an emotional writing. You don't write just the facts, you're writing an emotion. If you had a loss of someone, what did that person mean? What are you going to miss from that person? What did that person be? Was it a mentor? Was that person someone that was a spouse? Who knows? You've got to put down all these things. I mean, if, you're, if you've broken up with someone, there's no teenagers here, is there? Okay. Because like I said, you'd be writing this every month. But, if, but still, you know, we make fun of the teenagers breaking up. You forget, well, you know, teenagers, that was heart-rendering. So you've got to write these things down. What the, what the betrayal means. Is someone making fun of you because of the breakup? Are you feeling those kind of things? Sometimes when you're such loss, you feel like I could have done more in my life. Write all that. You've got to write this stuff down. You're writing almost a book sometimes to get through all this. Then we address them and we face them. And we start to say, what's, what's our next step? I'm going to tell you right now, in loss especially, don't do this alone. Bring people involved. Let them know what you're feeling. Say, this is what I'm facing. I, I, I lost my, my husband. She was that an example. I'm not sure where my... I, I, can't, I can't get up in the morning and have a cup of coffee. That used to be our routine. I can't do this and I can't do that. And, and talk it out with people. You know, th this is a family. It's a family issue. You're, you're not Han Solo. People don't know who I'm talking about. Anyway. But remember this. This is important. Family is, family is part of your healing. They can also, they can aggravate things, but allow them to be a part of your healing. Then we come to the Lord that hears us and loves us and ask him to pour out his grace that we can hear. Because in grief, it's hard to hear anything. That, you know, I, I just, I was, when I was doing this, I read it, it said, a loss of a job is almost the equivalent of a divorce, of a man and woman of a divorce. It's that much of a shakeup. There have been people here that, that had plants closed, places of business closed. They know what I was talking about. That you really, you're in a state of shock for a while. Grief is real. Loss is real. So, but the big part here is we acknowledge that our hope in the Lord is not dependent on our circumstances. It actually can be strengthened by Him. Do you remember when I was talking about peace? That I talked about being in the resonant of the core of you. This is what happens with hope. Once you've established the peace of God in the core of you, now hope comes in. And hope establishes in the core. So what happens is the other stuff becomes periphery. And the issues of your grief will drift away from the center of your heart to the periphery. Then they become temporary while the hope is a permanent. It takes a while for that to drift. <clears throat> Almost like, like the, what is it, the eyeball and a flounder? Does anyone know what I'm talking about with that? See, a flounder has eyes on both sides of the head, and eventually the other eyeball moves over, to the, and they lay flat. Okay. The weirdest thing I ever saw, my first, Rick, Rick was talking about this. First time I ever saw a flounder, I went, 
I see this flat fish with two eyes on the same side of his head. I went, what in the world is this? It's the weirdest thing ever. Anyway, <clears throat> we got to do that, though. This is a, a conscious effort in our prayer is to make this happen. Lord, I know you're a God of peace, but I'm going to be honest, Lord, I, it's not, I'm not there. Keep praying into it. Have others pray into you. Lord, my hope is shattered right now. I've got someone who's sick in my home, and I'm worried sick. And I'm, I'm, I'm not hopeful in this. Let God bring hope into your heart. So if you have elderly family, well, we all do. Um, you know, you were concerned for these. I, I have three brothers and three sisters. And the youngest one is 60, and the oldest one is, is you know, well in their 70s. And every single time I turn around, somebody's got a little something in their health. And yeah, we were, we're always worrying about these things. These are, these are God issues. And I, and I can be rock solid. Okay, God, I know for a fact your plans are better than my plans. I know it for a fact. Lord, let, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And you know what his best advice half the time is? Don't do anything. Just go visit and say hello. Call and say hello. Drop a note. There's some, some of my family members respond to written messages more than they do to phone calls. I know which ones need an actual physical note that comes in the mail and they, it changes their whole day. You know, that's how, we, that's how God does with you. So let's conclude and remember. I want to conclude with a word from Romans. Because uh, Rick Baumgartner is here and if there's not a better book in the Bible, he doesn't know one. Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just want to say the last line from Lamentations. His compassions never fail. They are new, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.